The reading today is from Acts chapter 2, starting at verse 1, and it's on page 1093 in the Red Bibles. We have Bibles in other languages and versions available at the back, and the page numbers for those are on the screen. So Acts 2, starting at verse 1. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the house, whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages, in other tongues, as the Spirit enabled them. Now, there were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment, because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, Aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our native language? Parthians, Medes, and Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said, they have had too much wine. Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice, and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. This is a word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Ellie, for, uh, for that reading. And thank you for dealing with all those names. And again, sorry about the sort of semi-darkness. It has a kind of slightly audacious feel if you've ever been to Audacious Church, uh, um, which is, uh, it kind of goes for the slightly darker look, you know, the kind of we haven't got the screens, though. That's the one thing we haven't got um, as screens. And what you do see on the screen is the title of this particular series. And Paul started it off last week. We were in the Old Testament um, with Nineveh. But uh, here, and in this kind of graphic, it's, it's fascinating. All sorts of things going on in that picture. I want to know what the couple are talking about in the bottom left-hand corner there. And, uh, you know, you may puzzle all the way through the sermon, so I'll take that off now. <laughs> Um, But we are thinking of reaching the city. That is our theme. And 
We're looking at this very important chapter, Acts chapter 2. And it is about, um, of course, Acts chapter 2 is about the Holy Spirit falling upon um, God's people and the birth of the church in, in that way. It's, that's very important. But I want to take a slightly sideways look, maybe a sort of theological look, and, and ask the question where it happens is also important. Where it happens. Uh, uh, where you're born is important. You have a passport, and on your passport it says where you were born. Yes? Should do. So on my passport, it, it says, and I'm, I, I, this is very painful for me to see, but it actually says Barnstable, Devon, England, which is terrible because all of you know I'm, a, I'm an absolute Welsh fan, but we just couldn't get over the, apparently my mum and dad couldn't get over the border in time and had to stop off at Barnstable for me to be born. So I was accidentally born in England, but um, I am Welsh through and through, but that's where I was born, you see. And, and so we as Christians... What happened at the birth of our church? What happened? Where was it? Uh, where did we, as it were, um, yeah, where were, where were we born? How were we born? And why were we born? And if we can answer those sorts of questions, begin to discover who we are meant to be. So we're going to look at that, a slightly different look at... Um, at Acts chapter 2. And uh, this first section, where we were born, bear with me, right? Bear with me, because I'm not going to actually dive into the text except to say that they're in the city of Jerusalem. That's where it all happened. Um, So get your theological hats on. Acts is linked with Luke. So we call Luke Acts, same author of the two uh, of, uh, of the gospel and also the book of Acts. And uh, at the end of Luke's gospel, Jesus says to the people, uh, to his disciples, he's risen from the dead, and he says, now the Holy Spirit's going to come upon you, but remain in the city, wait in the city. Don't go off to Galilee, stay in the city. The city's important. Why does he say that? Stay in the city until you're clothed with power from on high. But I think what he's trying to say is this new, this, this Christian church, this new movement which is about to be born needs to come out of Jerusalem. Needs to come out of Jerusalem. Why is that? Well, well, the Christian church, as it were, comes out of the Jewish people. Um, and uh, the Messiah, the Lord Jesus whom we love, we learn about him in the Old Testament, prophesied in the Old Testament. Um, and, and so the New Testament just extends into the Old Testament. This is one Bible. Both, all, it all goes together. I was listening to a rabbi this week speaking in the city center. And I was thinking, yeah, that's, that's where we started. We started there, um, as it were, in Jerusalem. And so you, you know, in order to understand the Christian message, it has, it has to have a context. And the context are all of God's promises to this particular people that you read about, formed, as it were, with Father Abraham, going through to Moses and so on and so forth. And, and, and that's how you learn who you, who you are. You're out of that. The Lord Jesus, of course, as I said, prophesied, 
um, in the Old Testament. Jerusalem is also the place where he was crucified and uh, where he was raised from the dead. But here's the interesting thing. Jerusalem may be the source of where the Christian church, that's where it started, but it's not the goal. If you read through Acts, you see that it starts in Jerusalem, but it finishes in Rome. And Rome was seen as the ends of the earth. And Jesus said in Acts 1, 8, this is, this is going to be the pattern. Um, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. There's a very interesting bit at the end of Luke's gospel where Jesus is speaking to his disciples as the risen Lord, and he's speaking from Moses and the prophets and explaining. When you get to the end of Acts, you see that Paul is doing exactly the same. So same message, he's you know, looking at the Old Testament, Moses and the prophets, but he's doing it in Rome. Now why am I saying all of that? <laughs> because, oh, that's all very interesting. Well, this is the reason. It moves outwards. You were born into a movement. That's what you need to know. You were born into a movement. Uh, a movement that moves out from Jerusalem to the ends of the earth. And, and that's crucial for you to understand. That <coughs> It's not something that you, 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 you sort of don't hunker down and it doesn't stay in here. You're born into something that's moving and going somewhere and you're always being pushed outwards. And unless you're outward looking, unless you're outward facing, you're kind of not, it's not part of your DNA. You know, your DNA is pushing you outwards all the time. And you're not happy unless you're going outwards. That's the important thing. Does that make sense? I hope that makes sense. Now, back to a bit of theology. So, um, right at the very beginning, Genesis 12, God calls Abram. And uh, it's, a quite, it's actually such a useful passage, it's worth looking at Genesis 12. So, if you can um, turn to Genesis 12, it's on page 13. Page 13, chapter 12. The Lord had said to Abram, go from your country your people and your father's household to the land I will show you. So he's on the move already. He's on the move. He says, I will make you a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you I will curse. And all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Do you see, right at the very beginning, there's a hint here that this, whatever God is doing with the people of Israel... They're meant to be a blessing for the whole earth. Now turn back to Acts chapter 2. And now turn over to the end of Acts chapter 2. And you'll see the formation of this first new community. It's called an ecclesia. And ecclesia was a political term. It was really kind of like a gathering of people. It's a gathering of people. So here's, uh, it isn't yet called an ecclesia. It isn't called a church. But uh, here is the body gathered together. And what a fabulous body they are. Beautiful group of people that anybody would want to be part of. 
Let me read you these verses, 42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayer. Everybody was filled with awe. Many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together. They had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. And why not? Because what a beautiful group of people they are. They, I mean, it, it's, it's a, I'm not necessarily suggesting to be part of the Christian church you have to sell all your possessions, but there's an open-handedness here to stuff. Right? Like holding on to stuff. It's an open-handedness now. Yeah, yeah, borrow it. Yeah, yeah, use it. There's an open-heartedness to people. Which is beautiful. There is awe over the whole community. And do you see, they had favor with all the people. That's, they enjoyed the favor of all the people. People would look at this church and go, you are a blessing. Now, can you see what's going on here? So it starts from Jerusalem, but this communities are formed in all sorts of different places as you read through Acts, and those communities are to bless the particular places in which they live. That's how the promise to Abraham gets carried out into the, into the rest of the world, and churches have grown all the way through the world because it's a movement that goes out. So on the day of Pentecost, for the last time, people came into, well, they came into, well, I won't say it's not, not the last time because they probably continued to do that, but not the Christians. People came into Jerusalem from all over the world and they were on pilgrimage. They came in. But they heard the message in their own languages. They went out. And the idea of Christians coming back to Jerusalem, they don't get that anymore. It's not a pilgrimage, it's a movement outwards. So it's not centripetal, it's centrifugal. So we've planted a number of churches or helped a number of churches start. Wouldn't it be crazy if everybody felt they had to come back to Platt? <laughs> That's not right, is it? You go on and get on and do your stuff. You know, wherever it's Heaton Norris or, 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 or St. Clement's or wherever. So I love this idea of, uh, of the church going out. I love it. It's actually, it's, it's what I am meant to be doing. And I'm only happy when I'm not so much kind of retreating back in. I mean, yes, we do need to come together to hear the word of God, but then go out. But I'm only happy really when I'm inwardly on mission. And, and I say inwardly because it doesn't, I'm not saying you've all got to go and live somewhere different or anything like that, but it's your attitude has got to be outward facing. It's your attitude. Yeah, this is, this is for the rest of the world. And I say this personally because, um, you know, I'm supposed to be retiring or stepping down or whatever word we're using, but I'm not going to retreat. You see, I, it, it can't be for me a going back. I've got to be going on. In mission, where's the Lord going to lead next? 
you know, it would be wrong. And, and I hope you would sort of say, you preached on, on what's the date today? The 5th of May. You preached to go, keep going outward, Steve. That, you're only happy if you go outward. And I know that's, that's the case for me. You're born into a movement. So where's the mission in your life? Where are you looking outwards? If you're a Christian, where's the mission in your life? Let's have a think about that. I was very struck by John Stott, hearing a story of John Stott in the last few months of his life. He was in a hospice. John Stott was a very famous um, uh, Anglican Christian. Uh, if you haven't heard of him, his writings are astonishingly good. Um, and in the, in the last few months of his life, he was in a hospice, dying. So what did he do? Well, he found another Christian there. And they decided together they were going to hold um, outreach services in the hospice. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's dying, but that's what he did. <laughs> Extraordinary. So that, that's, we're only happy when we're doing that, you see. Having an outward look. Outward, that's the movement. So we're a movement outwards. Um, that's where we were born. Now, how we were born... You could make great plans, um, but they would come to nothing unless we, were, we recognize the role of the Spirit. Acts chapter 2 is all about um, the, the, the promise that the Father said he would give, the gift that the Father said he would give. And, and this is what, what, what we need, and this is what you have if you're a Christian. You are born again. You're born of the Spirit. You and I are miracles. This church is a supernatural entity. Um, we are born of the Spirit. But, of course, it's very important to keep in step with the Spirit, to keep being filled with the Spirit, because what you're going to see from, um, from these first few verses in Acts 2 is, is your DNA again. This is how you were born. And first of all, I want you to see that this comes, something comes from outside. Someone comes from outside. They were gathered together and someone came from outside to do something in their lives because that's what they needed. You know the common view, don't you? You must have heard this so many times. You have all the power within you. You must have heard that, you know, um, you have inside you everything you need to solve your problems. If you have problems, it's not you, it's them. It's those people out there. But the Bible is very different. The Bible says your problems are inside, <laughs> but you need help from outside. And this is the phenomena of our birth. This is what the Spirit did on that first day and what he wants to do. First of all, he wants to give life. So you see... Wind, signifying life. The word for this rushing wind is the same Greek word as in, in Genesis 2, 7, where God breathed into us the breath of life. And so it is, uh, as you as a Christian, God, as it were, sort of breathed into you life. And he breathed it out and you came alive. That lovely moment where you smack the baby and the baby goes, ah! Baby has to breathe in, you know. <laughs> well, that's, that's, but that, that's, what ha we, that's how we get life. The promise of the Spirit is beautifully signified in, uh, in um, Ezekiel 37, 
where you have the valley of the dry bones and all those, you know, all the bones are put together in the valley. It's a great chapter to read. They're all put together. And this is vast army, clanking army. And the bones come together. There's a great rattling. And they come together, but there is no life. <laughs> and it's a brilliant picture, actually. All the organization in the world doesn't bring this army to life. And then Ezekiel is told, prophesy to the breath. Ask for the breath to come, and the breath comes, and the army comes to life. <laughs> we are the dry bones that come to life. Without the Spirit, which comes through faith in Jesus Christ, as you repent of your sins, and you're baptized, you come to Christ. Without the Spirit, we are the walking dead. So the Spirit brings life. The fire shows his purity. The presence of God in our midst is dangerous. He will burn away impurities. He'll make you want to walk in holiness, to repent of your sins, and to love the new life he has brought you to. Um, John Piper has a lovely little phrase, and it's very important. No one sins out of duty. You don't sin out of duty. Oh, I've just got to sin now. You know, I feel I ought to sin. And you don't sin because of that. You sin, you disobey God because you love sin more than God's holiness, more than God's way. But what the Spirit is saying to you is, no, God's way is best. God's way is best. You know that little battle that goes on in you? Yeah, you all know that battle. Well, it's the Spirit saying to you, you're a new person. Be the new person, right? Be that person. Don't walk down that way. That is the old life. It's death. Go this way. Speech is the third thing, signifying a message to the world. And, and, and what happens is they all speak in tongues or languages, um, uh, which is probably uh, correct, actually, uh, and, uh, as Ali was reading it. I think she said languages. It's not the same as the gift of tongues in 1 Corinthians 14. Um, this is languages that, you, that the Galileans were speaking, the native languages of the world. They were declaring God's glory. And they were declaring the wonderful deeds of God. And they were filled, you notice in verse 4, all of them were filled, they began to speak. Chapter 4, verse 8, they were filled, they spoke. So it's something that the Spirit want, and it sort of makes you want to do. And every time you have a chance to talk about your faith, do you not feel... I was, I was able to speak. Everybody tells me, you know, they, they come back on Sunday and say, oh, I was able to, I shared with my friend, and I'm so excited. It's because that's what you were made to do. Now, it's important to notice how this, I'm going pretty fast, so I hope you're still with me, but uh, it's important to notice what happens. Um, as the Spirit came, they all heard in their own language um, this, you know, the wonderful uh, deeds of God. And and they hear at the same time. A person called Lamin Sane has written about this, and it was a very interesting point. He says, it's been suggested that this was deliberate, all these different languages at the same time. No one language and no one culture has precedence over any other culture. Just because you speak English, it doesn't mean that you have precedence in the Christian church. And this is sometimes a revelation to people. <laughs> you 
You know, there are commentaries being written now from, from people all around the globe. The, the Western church doesn't have a, the English-speaking church doesn't have a precedence, no. And interestingly, you translate the message. If you're a Muslim, you can't translate the Quran. It has to be in Arabic. But Christianity, it's the Word of God in any language. Christianity takes root in every culture and honors and challenges every culture. So on this first day, how were you born? You were born by a miracle. And so therefore, it's absolutely right, isn't it, as Christians, that we actually pray, Lord, um, fill me with your spirit. Continue to fill. I know I'm alive, but continue to fill me with your spirit. Help me to keep in step with the spirit in every single way. And of course, the key way of keeping in step with the Spirit is my final point, which is honoring Jesus Christ. And, and this is the thing that made that first church distinctive and why it kind of stepped out from Jerusalem and had the kind of boldness to go into the rest of the world. Would you like to be bold as a Christian? Yes, well, pray for the Spirit. But no, I mean, that was really enthusiastic, actually, wasn't it? Come on, now, you might, yeah, come on. Some of you I know are bold. You know, you're in the, you know, you, you are. I know you are. So, how would, you, why were you born? You were born to declare the universal lordship of Jesus Christ, and this is the thing that that actually hits you um, in the rest of the sermon. It's all about Jesus, and it's about the uniqueness and the. The universal lordship of Jesus. I, I'm afraid I can't do justice to the sermon. I would be here all day, and you do not want that. But, um, look, it's great. You know, he starts, fellow Israelites, verse 22, listen to this, Jesus of Nazareth. He starts talking about Jesus. And he talks about his crucifixion. He talks about his resurrection. He says how it came out of the Old Testament, how it was promised there, that he wasn't speaking about David. When we get to the end, verse 34, we're speaking about the Lord Jesus. And he culminates with this wonderful point, verse 36. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, this historic Jesus, who was crucified and risen, this Jesus, whom you crucified, he's made him Lord and Messiah. He is the universal Lord. And that is a really dynamic, dynamite, bit of dynamite actually. It's politically awkward, isn't it? It's not, we're not saying Jesus makes your life better. We're saying he's the man, he's the tops. He is the Lord of every single culture, everywhere you go. So he's not our Lord. He's not the Christian's God. He is God of everyone. He can't help being who he is. Someone said that. And the early church got hold of that. And they, and they, began, and they, they began to preach. They, they just had this brilliantly large view of who Jesus is. And that helped them to realize who they belonged to. And if you want to be distinctive as a Christian... This is what helped them extricate themselves from the earthly Jerusalem and enable them to belong to Jesus Christ and the heavenly Jerusalem. They said, you know, I know we can't help it, but Jesus is Lord. 
There is no other name by which we can be saved. He is the one. And, and when, you, when you make that distinctive step and say, look, you know, I know you have different views, but for me as a Christian, that's who Jesus is. You know, and he's not just my Lord, he's Lord over everyone, and, and that's you too. And, and you know that's not going down well, okay? But, but the moment you make that distinctive step, do you know what you're saying? You're saying, I don't belong over here now in the old Jerusalem. I, I belong over here. And the whole book of Hebrews is about that. The whole book of Hebrews is trying to help Jewish Christians come to the point where they say, I belong to the heavenly Jerusalem. Right, chapter 12, it's all about the heavenly Jerusalem. You've not come to the old Jerusalem, the mountain that can be touched, so on. You've come to Mount Zion, the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to the thousands upon thousands of angels, to the church of the firstborn whose names are written in heaven. You've come to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits uh, of the righteous made perfect, to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, to the spiritual blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. And as soon as you do that, as soon as you sort of acknowledge Christ as Lord and live for him in that distinctive way, there is a feeling that you have found your home again. And now, no, I, I, I belong to him. I belong to him. And that makes you distinctive. And if we as Platt have that distinctiveness that comes from recognizing we're a movement going out, that we're born of the Spirit and we're given this life purity and, and uh, kind of speaking of him, and we acknowledge Christ as Lord, when we, we're kind of like that, then it's as if you've nailed your colors to the mast and you've said, I know who I belong to, but you, it feels like coming home. It feels like I've settled it. I've settled it. And a lot of what we do here is basically, work of SBS, I don't know, is settling it. It's saying, no, Jesus is Lord, and that's it. <laughs> but you feel like you've come home, and you feel all those words of that lovely song, the Lord is my salvation. He's my refuge. He's my rock. He's the one who will... He's the one on whom I depend. When everything is falling around outside me, I feel he, he's the one. That's where my home is. And if I am on any pilgrimage, it's towards the heavenly Jerusalem. So this is what I think um, we learned from Acts 2 when we, when we put that little spin on it and, and ask ourselves the question, what does it mean, Jerusalem Judea, Samaria, and Jesus. What does it mean? The early church in Jerusalem is a movement, born into a movement. And, and the sad thing about Jerusalem is that it didn't really acknowledge the time of its visitation, really. And though there was a church in Jerusalem, it, it, it never is the center, and it disappears off the, the book of Acts, off, off the pages of history. But if we recognize we're not, we're from Jerusalem, but we're going to the ends of the earth and we're on a mission, then that's helpful. We're a movement. I think Christianity is like riding a bike. Um, if you're going forward, you're fine. But if you try and stop on a bike, you fall off. <laughs> or you wobble badly, don't you? You know, you can't like, you just, you just got to keep going forward. Keep going forward. You're a movement. 
Secondly, you're born to be a blessing. This born of the Spirit, every new community of Christ and every community of Christ is a blessing to its neighborhood. I'm just thrilled that we've got a spring fair next, next week. It's great. Be a blessing to our neighborhood. Love people. Care for them. And we find, if the Lord does this, we find favor with the people. You're born to be a blessing. So keep in step with the Spirit. Live lives of purity. Speak of Him. And finally, you're born to a heavenly home. Because the name Jerusalem does reappear in the Bible, but it's right at the end, book of Revelation. And it's the heavenly Jerusalem. And that's where we're called. That's where we belong. And that's where we're headed. Let me put it all together for you, because you're probably going, there's a lot of good stuff there, Steve, but quite what were you saying? (laughs) You might say that. Uh, Let me ask you a couple of questions. Do you feel you as a Christian, you're on, you know, you're going somewhere. You know, there's a purpose. You know, what has God called you to be? What's your what's your mission? I'm not saying you, you know, you've got to leave Platt. Don't leave us, you know, leave us. Don't door disappear next week and you're gone. You know, we're on mission. But there's a sense in which everybody's on a mission. Do you know what I mean? So, this is, what is it you're meant to be doing? Because actually, that's where you'll be happiest. If we keep looking inwards and, and so on, we, you know, we just get gloomy. So firstly, are you on a mission? And, and secondly, um, keep in step with the Spirit. That is, be who you have been born to be, right? So you've been given life, purity. Some of you challenges in that area. I know we all have challenges there. But actually just say, no, this is who I'm meant to be. Be that person. Upholding Jesus Christ. Saying, no, it's Jesus. It's Jesus. He's Lord of all. And that's, that's where I stand. And when you do that, then you're declaring yourself, you belong to the heavenly Jerusalem. And it frees you from worrying what everybody else thinks about you. There's only one person you need to worry about then. <laughs> You do everything before an audience of one person. Jesus. It's you I want to please, Lord. Wouldn't that be great if we were like that? I think we are, but I think let's have more. Right? Pray. Lord, just pray for it. Pray for it. Pray for the Spirit to move you. Let's pray. Lord, we commit ourselves to being on mission always looking outwards to people, our neighbours, where we work, or perhaps um, friends, or whatever, but just continually looking outwards, not just looking inwards, but on a mission. Lord, we ask again for your spirit to fill us afresh this morning. Give us that life, Lord. And Lord, we may have come to church feeling gloomy and downhearted. And we need help from outside. We keep forgetting that, Lord. We try and do it in our own strength. Just fill us. And help us to love that which you love. 
and hate that which you hate. And Lord, help us to speak about what we, uh, what we love. And let us declare ourselves as belonging to you. And in that, let us find our refuge, our rock, our home, and our salvation. We pray all these things in Jesus' name and for his glory. Amen.